nice. And we'll sing the wonderful grace of Jesus. Let's all stand. We'll sing that standing so we can really belt it out.
appreciate it. Oh, that was good. Two hundred and oh, four hundred forty-six, please. Four forty-six. that we saw not deserve. You did that to satisfy your father that when we accepted you our sins are forgiven and the father is satisfied. We thank you Lord this morning we have this privilege to go and worship you 
Lord, I ask that you speak to hearts again, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the earlier message. Pray, Lord, that you would bless us, help us, Lord, to continue to learn things from your word that will help us in our Christian walk. Our faith will grow strong on you. I pray for uh, Mike, the family that are in a in the in the traffic, caught in traffic. I pray, Lord, that uh, they will be well. Pray, Lord, that, uh, that you undertake the need there, Lord. We pray, God, that you would bless everyone here, the needs and everything, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, one more song, please. If you would, tend to number 398. 398. <laughs> Christian, 
the world system, not the physical parts of the world, but the world, the people, the people in the world, the philosophies of the world, the rudiments of the world, it is against the Christian. Now, whether it's delivered or not, uh, they are at the least used by Satan because he's the God of this world and he uses people in the world, men of the world, to push things that are anti-Christian. I'll give you some examples just to give you the nature of the world. Every December, we have a special, special, special holiday. Every December, it's a very special, unique holiday that the Christian looks forward to. Whether the date be the date is not relevant. The fact that something happened is relevant. And every December, something goes on that the world takes notice of. And it's a big uh, commercial enterprise. But Christians relish in the fact that every December we recognize the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. How has the world taken that? As an example of the world being antagonistic toward Christians and Christ in the Bible, how has the world portrayed Christmas? Look up here. Here's how the world has, for many generations, dec decades, Here's how they have portrayed Christmas. They have done this. Now what's that all about? X-Mass. Why don't you take out Christ? To abbreviate it? To save more writing of letters? Oh, Hard to write Christ. So you got to take that out and put... This is an indication of how the world treats Christ and, and, and the Bible and Christianity. What about the other spring holiday? We refer to it as Resurrection Sunday. How is Easter treated now in the world? For a long time. University of Hawaii had an Easter baseball tournament. I don't know how they got away with it because that's the right thing to do. Now, now when it comes to public school, it's no longer Easter break. It used to be Easter break when I was a boy through high school. Easter, remember Easter break? Yeah. Anybody remember that? You don't want to raise your hand because that admits that you're old. But <laughs> Easter break. Now it's no longer Easter break. We have taken away Easter, replaced it with this. Spring break. Oh yeah, what are you going to do for spring break? What do you mean spring break? Yeah, spring break. Oh, you mean Easter. Why take away any reference to something that is Christian and make it generic and seasonal? Happy holidays. Well, I hope your holiday is happy, but it's Christmas. That's what makes the holiday happy because of Christ. Man. Now stores are told, as you know, don't say Merry Christmas, say Happy Holidays because it's less religious. Well, Christmas is religious. This is an idea to indicate, to tell you that the world has tried very hard for a long time to rob people's minds of who Christ was, who Christ is. This is antagonism. This is aggressive and an aggressive attack on Christianity. Oh, it's just being, you know, it's just being fair to everybody. You don't, you don't do that to other religious people. You don't do that, but Christianity, yeah, that's a problem. Well, the problem is, it's the world. The world, as I say, as the Bible says, is antagonistic toward uh, Christ and the Bible. And Isaac Watt did say that this world is not a friend to grace, to help me unto God. So remember that and keep that in mind. The church is your friend. 
The local New Testament church is your friend. The Bible is your friend. Your pastor is your friend. Your Sunday school teacher is your friend. We're all trying to help you to live for God. The world is not your friend. Enemy. Now, you have to get this clear in your head, and I'll move on to the point for today. In a boxing match, it's called the squared circle. Square circle. Square circle. Well, it's a square. It can't be a circle, but I guess they go around in circles in a square. You ever get on the boxing canvas? Anyone here ever been in the boxing canvas? You know, it bounces, it gives, it has an effect of wearing your legs out. It, it drains your energy. So in a boxing match, 15 rounds, or three, is it three minutes apiece? That thing is exhausting. And when you get exhausted, your arms drop. And when your arms drop, your opponent will take advantage of that and give you one right over here. You get knocked out. I've never been knocked out. But I've seen people get knocked out. You ever see it in slow motion? And the face all distorted. <laughs> Looks like putty. <laughs> Looks like taffy. It's just really awesome. You don't see it in, in live action, but uh, uh, it's just the boxing match you have. In this corner, we have you have two corners. In both corners, you have opponents. And in this corner, the heavyweight champion. It's not champion, it's champion. The heavyweight champion of the world, um, George Foreman. Yay! And in this corner, the challenger from the Philippines, Imelda Marcos. <laughs> Somebody. And then uh, they are both at war. And they have trained for months to be in this match. It's a big price. It's a big money thing. And to get over there, referee says, all right, now, all right, man, I want you to tell the rules. And he give over the rules. And he says, all right, come on, fight, clean fight. And they bump um, uh, boxing gloves and go to the corner. The bell rings. And they go over there and they bounce around like that, you know. And, and they, they're feeling each other out, you know. And they, 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 and they, oh, I smell something bad. Mm, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, and they breathe, like, and they got a mouthpiece, and they, and they, they jabbing here, jabbing here, doing all that kind of stuff, you know. No one's touching each other for the first three rounds. It's like boring, and then they get serious. They're, they're, they're measuring, they're measuring the length of their their punch. Should I come in closer? Okay, I'm an inch away. Okay, and they're they're doing all this this all strategy, and then there's their enemies. They are out there fighting each other. They want to knock somebody out. Their enemy. Not the referee. Referee's not the enemy. It's the other boxer. And spiritually speaking, we're, we're in a, like a boxing match. In this corner, the Christian. In this corner, the world. When the bell rings. We're going to fight against each other. This world is not my home. We're just passing through. But we are fighting against the enemy. John 15, 18 tells us, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, John 15, 19, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Therefore, we remember again that we are in a boxing match and we're fighting against somebody who doesn't want us to win. Keep that in mind. I gave you the imagery of gardening, planting, and your enemies are flies, birds, and so on. Now we have a boxing match, and we're fighting against someone. To me, it's very visible. It's very clear that there's injury involved. What are the injuries to someone who has been beaten up by the world? 
well, you're supposed to win, you're supposed to progress, you're supposed to grow, but now you're stunted, now you're weak, now you're, you've lost your zeal for the Lord, you've lost your enthusiasm, you've lost your Bible reading, it's not important to you anymore. Other things are more important to you because you've been beat up by the world without even realizing it. So I want you to remember that it is really critical that the Christian pays attention to where he is and what is around him and what he is doing in this world. We're supposed to be advancing. We're supposed to be marching. We're supposed to be <clears throat> taking, gaining ground, so to speak. Now, come to John 14, 30. John 14, 30. The world is not the physical, it is the system. It is the people who are manipulated and used by, even without their knowing, realizing it. The world is the enemy of the Christian. John 14, 30 tells us this. Here, hereafter, I will not talk much with you. Jesus tells his disciples in the upper room. The last evening he is with them. Imagine that. The last evening, John 14, 30. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. Uh, yes, he would not because he'd be taken away in the garden of, uh, not in the garden, but um, he'd be taken away from, uh, by Judas, betrayed him. And then he'd be taken and going through illegal trials. He'd be scourged and then he'd be crucified. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. The prince of the world is the devil. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the world, according to the Apostle Paul, is run by, controlled by, is under the authority of the devil. The God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So we have small g for the devil. He has authority. This is kind of strange to think of, but the devil has reign in this world. Now, God owns everything. He controls everything. He's the creator of everything. But he has put the devil in a very long leash, so to speak, so that he can manipulate things. He can run things. He can operate things. This is his system. Remember Job in the Old Testament? And the confrontation, the conversation in Job 1 and 2, where the devil says, yeah, Job loves you. He blesses you because you've been so good to him. If you take everything away from him, I bet you he's going to curse you. The Lord says, I don't think so. I don't think so. And the Lord says, yeah. The devil says, yeah, right. And so the devil approaches the Lord. And then there's an agreement. The Lord allows the devil to touch Job's body, but don't kill him. That's all unknown to those on earth. So this is a heavenly view that you see and read about. And the Lord allows the devil to touch his body and he loses his health. He loses his possessions. He loses his family. He's left with nothing. He's sitting in an ash heap, totally humiliated because he was the most prosperous man in his country. And now he's got nothing. His, friend, he, his three friends come. They come to Job. They hear about him by word of mouth. They look at Job. They sit around him for seven days. They don't say anything to him. They just analyze him. They observe him. They criticize him. They find fault with him. They talk among each other. And they, they say, yeah, God doesn't do this to people who, whom he loves. He did this to Job. God doesn't know those people who, who are not sinning. He must be a sinner. And so they criticize Job. They, they assume so many things. They're not even aware of what happened in the heavenly conversation. So uh, all of that is to say the devil runs this place with permission. 
And so he's the God of this world. And you want to be careful because he could tempt you with things of this world that you might think you really need. What are some things people need, they think? What are some things that people want? Well, what do little girls want? Little girls meaning teenagers and college age girls. What do they want? Now what they want may not be what a good Christian girl wants. What a boy wants in this world may not be what a good Christian boy wants. Why is that? Because one, one boy, one girl, they're grounded in the word. They want what God wants for them. That's their goal. But in the world, a boy and a girl, they want something else that the world has for them because they're in the world. Their appetites are different. Their desires are totally different. Their value system is different. The world, the flesh and the devil, and living for Jesus Christ, Colossians chapter 3. Seek those things which are above and not on things of this earth. But So what do girls want normally in this world? What do boys want in this world? I'll tell you. Girls in this world want to be loved. They want to be accepted. They want to be admired. They want to have a lot of people after them. They want to be famous. What do boys want? They want to be great as far as being an athlete, an entertainer, whatever, like things like that. They want to be known. Now, there are exceptions, of course, but kids, they want to be popular. That might be the biggest thing. They want to be popular. They don't want to be left out. They want to be part of a group. It is so bad for some kids to feel like they're alone and they, they feel so left out when they're not part of a, I don't want to say gang, but for boys, they want to be part of a gang to be accepted and have peers that approve of them. In both cases, male and female, boys and girls, they want approval. Well, listen, if, if a kid wants the approval of the world, he's headed for trouble because right. the world is anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Bible, anti-wholeness, anti-goodness, anti-righteousness, anti-purity. It'll ruin a kid. Right. So if you let your kids watch all kind of crashy movies, all kind of stuff that will feed on their minds and... You know, uh, you have kissing scenes, you have boyfriend, girlfriend holding hands and these other kind of stuff. And then pretty soon the, the good kid's going to say, oh, I want that. Wrong. You have to, you have to remember the world's our enemy and we cannot let our kids become a captive, get spoiled by the enemy. We can't let the fight, we can't let our kids get beat up by the world. It happens so much. It's very sad to see people 25 and 30, they were once good kids, but now they're so far from God. They're so backslidden. They're so into the world. And they, they don't even talk to their parents anymore because they found out that there's a life to be had that they never had before when they're growing up. Tragedy. Um, being a pastor is good, but it's not good because we know a lot of experiences we cannot pass on. It wouldn't be right to tell about people's miseries, but I will tell you generally, that it is tragic to know of uh, Christian kids who grew up and then when they had a chance to fly, they flew. They took off. And they became as worldly as they, they gonna recapture or they're gonna capture what they never could capture before when they were young. They had to obey. They had to do. They had to, had to, had to. Something's totally wrong in their mind and in their heart where they complied, but they weren't compliant. They were submissive, but they weren't submissive to God in their heart. Therefore, it's all a, a big uh, rules prison 
or else kind of thing. And so the world, when it gets a hold of kids, it never makes them better. It never makes them more moral. Movies never make people more moral. <laughs> Um, music never music music is a big problem with me <clears throat> my music uh, likes are, are very broad I mean I like uh, guitar music I like I like some country music because of the guitar playing I like the old cowboy kind of songs cool clean water kind of thing like that I like stories being told by music I like that I like uh, not I, I hate opera music <laughs> well, who can stand to hear that <laughs> And then you know you have all this background boom 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 the guy's gonna come whatever but I like I like uh, orchestra I like violins a lot I'm so glad that um, uh, Joseph has learned to play the violin Amen. of course Paul doesn't have to learn he just was born with a violin in his hand but uh, a lot of people have to work hard you know like Joseph but he works hard at home it's like Joseph oh man that just hurt my ears just but he, he's working at it and I don't find anything wrong with he's playing now. I love the violin. I love I love the orchestra. The whole I love the way the thing is. I like I like that. I appreciate that. It's so much work and so so so. You, you got to be dedicated. You know, you just can't go up there and play in the orchestra. You have to work hard, and I I appreciate that kind of stuff. But uh, music that I hear in the world is like that's undigestible. Is that the right word? Undigestible. You can't digest it. It gives you it gives you upset stomach. It, it bothers your in, insides. There's a medical term for that, I'm sure. Besides, uh, I don't know what, what medical term for bad food. Anyway, there's some music that you cannot consume because it's bad for you. That's what the world offers. We have to be cautious. We have to be alert to the enemy that's called the world. Now, I want you to come down to John chapter 14. And then just a reference to this verse, and then we'll come to John chapter 17. We'll spend the rest of the time in John 17. First, John, John, book of John chapter 14 and verse number 30. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Keep that in mind. The devil is nothing in Jesus Christ. There's no correlation, there's no compatibility. How can light have fellowship with darkness? How can Christ and Balaam get along? Not possible. Not possible. Not possible. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians. Not possible. So you just make up your mind. You are not compatible to this world. You are not compatible to this world. You cannot fit into this world. Don't try to fit. Don't try to fit to this world. The church should not try to fit to this world. I should not try to fit into this world. Now, you can like things of this world that's not evil. Tennis is not evil. Bowling is not evil. Basketball is not evil. Fishing is not evil. Golfing is evil because it takes too much time. So golfing is evil, and I must correct myself. Fishing is evil because you just sit there, you know. After eight hours, you come back with nothing. You say, "Wow, we had a great time." You caught nothing for eight hours. Golfing, you lost fifteen balls, eighteen thirty-six holes. You come back exhausted. And you see you had a great time. Those are carnal activities of the world. But uh, racquetball is spiritual and uh, things like that. So, have nothing in me. There are some things that we, we can connect in the world. And I'm not saying you should not be so extreme. Okay, Remember, we need to have some balance. You can't be extreme. 
in this world, we have a lot of things that we can enjoy. And there's some things, all this world is not evil morally. There are some standards of this world that you must comply with. For example, construction standards, electrical standards, trades, they have standards you must comply with. OSHA has standards for safety. You must comply with these things. They're probably good for you. Building a roof, building a house, framing a house, adding on to a kitchen, a bathroom. You must go by some standards. You can't, you can't just throw everything up there. And you know, I think part of the house I live in sometimes has been thrown together by some Chinese people. Like, doesn't fit. What, what's wrong with this leak over here? We, we say Chinese job. Chinese job. Do not laugh because Chinese job is a horrible job. Uh, it is, it is Chinese job. When they don't go back, they cut corners, Chinese job. When they cut on supplies to save five cents, Chinese job. You can get a screw that's really good quality, costs you a nickel more, no, buy the cheap one, Chinese job. And then strong winds come, things fall apart. You gotta go by standards. So those are the world standards. That's okay. That's okay. But morally and spiritually, not okay. Right. You don't let the word dictate to you your standards. You let the Bible be the one to dictate to you your standards. Now, let's come to John chapter 17. We'll spend time here. John 17 is when Jesus prayed to his Father in heaven because while he was on earth, in the body, in the flesh, he was away by presence from his father. The witnesses say, well, you see that over here? He's praying to his father in heaven. How can he be God and still be on earth praying to his father? They don't understand that. They don't get it. It doesn't compute to their illogical mind. The Jehovah's Witnesses, oh, they are very sincere, but they're very wrong. They cannot see. The answer simply is, as a man, he's on earth, physically away from his father. And he's praying to his father in verse number one. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, you see, that's the problem right there. They can't get that. I get that. Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. So this is a prayer to his father. We get the privilege of hearing it or reading about it. Now come down to verse number five. And now, O Father, glorify thy, uh, thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He is the eternal Son of God. Some believe that He became the Son of God when He was incarnate, when He became flesh. No, He always was the Son of God. He just was manifest in the flesh. So in the body of this man called Jesus was the God, was, was God in the body of Jesus Christ. Limited His powers as God, obviously, but He functioned on earth as God in the flesh. Look at verse number 6. I have manifested Thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Now the word world will come up multiple times in this passage. Sometimes it means the world as in the physical world, and sometimes it means something else. Let's see. Verse number six, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. So who are these men? The disciples. Where are the disciples? In the world. Where did Jesus come from? Heaven. Where did he go to? The physical world. Physical world. And they have kept thy word. Verse 7. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. 
and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. So the disciples, he's saying, are very confident and very sure that the words that you had, you gave to me, I gave to them, they have received them. They're very sure about these things. Verse number nine, I pray for them, the disciples. I pray not for the world. Huh? I pray not for the world. What, what world is he talking about? Is he saying, I pray not for the physical world? Or is he saying, I pray not for the world as in the system, the, the philosophies, the traditions, the rudiments of the world, as Colossians 2 talked about? It's that. And I would stretch it by saying this, my opinion, my guess is this. This is a guess. When he says, I pray not for the world, here's my guess. It's not doctor, it's a guess. I don't think, I, I think that he means also the world. I don't pray for the world because he knows what the world's going to come to it. He knows what the future of the world is. It's going, to be, it's going to be burned up. Before that, you'll be messed up in the tribulation. So he's not praying for the world for its protection. Now, every day we have a thing called Earth Day. What is it, June? No, that's Gay Pride Day. No, no. There's another bad holiday. It's um, Earth Day. We're supposed to be very conscious of this world. You know what? You should not care about the world. Because one day, first of all, Jesus doesn't pray for the world. Secondly, he knows what the world's gonna, what's gonna, what the world's coming to. We do too from the Bible in the tribulation and afterwards. We don't worry about the world. This big globe called the world, called the earth, it has survived Mount Vesuvius. It has survived Mount St. Helens. It has survived Chernobyl. It has survived all kinds of stuff. You think we can destroy this world? No, only Democrats can destroy this world <laughs> by policies. I'm kidding you. No, I'm not. I'm serious. Look at verse number nine. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them. I pray for them, my disciples, which thou hast given me. For they are thine. Verse 10. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I'm glorified in them. Isn't that something? The Lord says, I am glorified in my disciples. That's an awesome statement. My disciples are on earth like little lights. And they shine, and when they shine right, they shine and they show me. Now you want to take that as a lesson because we are to represent him and we are to glorify Christ through our living. Anything that will cause people to say, yeah, you Christians, you don't want to be involved in something like that. Anything that causes you to do something that will cause someone to say, hey, he's a hypocrite, she's a hypocrite. Oh yeah, she goes to church, but look at her, oh, she doesn't work. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be like that because that does not glorify God. Sometimes in sports, we get very excited. We all do. And then uh, it's like, one time, one time we were in a church league softball years ago. We played all kinds of churches just to get, you know, some kind of league going on. It was fun because I like baseball. This is a softball slow pitch. We played some teams from all over the place. And some of these guys, I'll tell you the truth, I'm thinking, this is not a church league. This is a secular league. We see this other team hit a home run, crush the ball, come back to the out, give them high fives, break out the beer. Um, not conducive to what is called a church league. So eventually we got out because he was going that direction. All right, so he says they are just glorified through, um, Jesus glorified through them. Verse 11, and now I am no more in the world the physical world, but these are in the world. 
disciples are still in the physical world. And I come to thee. You're in heaven, Father. I'll come back to you where I came from. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, the physical world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition. Who would that be? Who is the son of perdition? That's the one. That the, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, uh, and these things I speak in the world, in the physical world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word. And the world, the world, what world? Not the physical world. The system, <clears throat> the traditions, the philosophies, the rudiments, that's the world. The world, the people of that world have hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. You have the Lord saying, my word, my words are not from this earth, they're from heaven. And the disciples aren't really, they're not of the world too, but they are. They're living there. But they are to keep themselves from the world while they're living in the world. And he says, sanctify them, verse 17, through thy truth, thy word is truth. So keep them separated. Keep them apart for my own self, for my glory, for your glory, Father, while they're in this physical world. And while they're in this world system, keep them from getting corrupted. Keep them, sanctify them, separate them. You remember in the Old Testament when the Jews were going into the promised land? What was the, what was the charge to them in the promised land? What did Moses say to them from God? Said, when you get there, do not intermarry. Do not learn the ways of the heathen. Because if they do fall in love with these beautiful Canaanite women, they'll pick up what comes along with the beautiful Canaanite women, beautiful Canaanite idols. And if they're idolatrous, you marry into that kind of living situation, you're going to have idols. And pretty soon you're going to find yourself bowing down to those idols. Which means you're not bound down to me. So it says, keep them from the evil. Don't let the disciple, don't let, by extension, the Christian get involved in the world so that they become, they become, I'll use the word idolatrous, with the Old Testament Jew as a picture. Getting blended with the world. Now it happens very common, commonly and easy, doesn't it? When I visited China with my wife to visit Nate when he was living there for 10, 12 years, um, we had to do some things that I didn't like to do, but because we were there for a couple of weeks, you had to adjust to certain things to, to kind of get along. And uh, I was glad to get back to the good old USA because then I could understand people talking to me and I, they could understand me, vice versa. But over there, it's totally different. Buying street food, I never could get used to that by street. Nathan was immersed. He was immersed. Uh, he could he he had a tutor here, but then he felt like he had to be immersed in the culture for him to really learn Mandarin. So off he went one day. And he lived in China while he was teaching English to university students. And he had to learn the language or starve. Well, that's not me. That's not me. I I, I I'm I'm not gonna starve. But he was willing to starve to learn the language. 
by immersing himself to the culture. So he became so Chinese, even though he is Chinese, he's really not a Chinese. But then he became real Chinese because he had to live in a culture that was real Chinese where everything, signage, everything was just in, in Chinese. It was so frustrating going to Japan and Narita and then going to China. Narita Airport, where are we? Nothing is in English. Go to the food court. We have pictures, thankfully, but there's nothing in English. Everything is in Japanese. Like, we don't want you here. You want to eat? Learn Japanese. Oh, nice guy. Well, they were really just trying to say, this is who we are. You don't like it? Too bad. Go to another airport. Go to another country. China's the same way. Very few American signage. But he had to get immersed. He had to blend. He had to become like. We're not to become like this world. We're not to blend in and get us immersed in this world. We are distinct from this world. This world is different from us. We were saved out of this world. You, you know that, notice that in the epistles of Paul to the Corinthians and in Ephesians and Colossians, there's so much language about what you did before, you cannot do now. As a Christian, you cannot be like this. Don't go back to the old life. You're now different. You're saved now. You can't be a part of the world anymore. So much of that language is like that about don't go back to the former life of a Gentile because you're saved now. And so he's saying, keep them in the world. John 17, keep them in the world. And uh, the world, the world, look at verse number, uh, I'm down at verse number 14. 14, 17, 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them. From the evil. Now you see the distinction here? Don't take them away from the world. Keep them in the physical world, in the world of the rudiments and traditions, philosophies, things like keep them there, but keep them from the evil. Verse 15. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through that truth. So here we are. We're in the world, in this physical world, we're in this world that is full of the system that is the Antichrist. He says, keep them, the disciples, to keep us by extension from getting spoiled by the world, from getting plundered by the world. So here we are in this world. The challenge is to not get spoiled by this world. Do you understand what he's saying here about his disciples? Do you understand what he's saying about us in this lifetime? We're here, but we're not supposed to be a part of. We're supposed to be separate from. Now, there's a false teaching about separate of church and state. The true teaching for the Christians, we are separate from this state, from this world. We're not supposed to get entangled by this world. Paul talks about being a good soldier of Jesus Christ, endure hardness as a good soldier. And he says, don't get entangled with this world. Meaning, don't get blended with this world so that you, you're you serving two masters. Serving God and serving them and serving God and serving uh, the world. Trying to please both. You cannot please both. But if you seek to please Jesus Christ, it'll by its nature make you an offense to those who don't like Jesus Christ. You might as well accept that. Having told you that, you must also, on this side of living for Jesus Christ, not be offensive unnecessarily to the world. Sometimes we get so bold, we say, sometimes we get so separate, we say, that we are just a, we're just a knothead. We're just obnoxious. We just are overly, unnecessarily mean to people because we say, well, you're out the world. You're the devil. Come on, let's fight. 
Don't need to do that. Fight comes to you just because you are a Christian. Because you identify with Christ. Already you're going to be a, a, a target. You don't have to go out of your way to become an enemy. They can sniff you out. You don't have to try to be mean. And you, you know, some people make the mistake. They go over here on this side. They want to be so right and so separate and so holy and so for Jesus Christ that they everything they preach about everything. They preach against everything. Their whole ministry is preaching against, 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 against. Well, I can understand that, but don't you know that the Bible is not just against, 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 against? There's no need to make enemies. We go into the prisons. We have to comply with the rules of going into the prison as volunteers. The rules are not so restricted that we cannot say what we think is true, but we have to be cautious about how we say things, which means we have to be wise. For example, in the prison, we cannot, quote, criticize other religions because so many religions come in. Okay? I understand that. And every two years, we're reminded about our responsibilities and our roles and duties. They're not saying don't preach what you believe. They're saying be alert to the other needs of the people and other concerns and feelings that they have. And if you ever come across like you are the only right religion, everybody else is wrong, out you go forever. They're pretty strict about that. Well, I can live with that. So when we go in, we teach what we teach from the Bible. We're not going to say, uh, we're not going to say, uh, uh, we're not going to apologize for what we teach. But neither are we going to go out of way to make a point about something where we know there's a Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, or some Hindu, or some whatever there, or some uh, Muslim, black Muslim, or some BLM people there. We're not going to go out of way to say something to antagonize them. Why do that? You can tell the truth without being nasty, all right? So there's that sense of a, of a balance over here. But he did say, he did say we cannot change this. We're in the world, but not of the world. We are to be sanctified. Look at verse number 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So the disciples were going to go and preach the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth, Acts 1.8. And so we too have this responsibility to be in our world, to have a ministry, to have a function, to have a role, to have an influence on people for Jesus Christ. And so we're sent into this world this physical world, and we are also entering into the philosophies, the rudiments, the traditions of this world. We have to be wise while we're being cautious. We have to be brave. We have to also be thoughtful and kind while we're doing all these things. It's like a juggling act. Verse number 19. As for, and for thy, their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for thee alone, but for them also which shall be believe on me through their word, that they may all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may also may be uh, one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and have loved have loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that uh, they also whom thou gavest me be with me where I am. And we will be with him where he is one day because we're born again. Just think about that, ladies and gentlemen. One of these days we live the physical world. 
We go into that spiritual world that is real called heaven. And we shall always be with the Lord. What a day that'll be. The song says, when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. The song says, what a day, glorious day that will be. It's all because of the new birth transaction by the Holy Spirit. You put your faith in Christ. Your eternal destination is heaven. So one day you will be with him. You will leave this physical world. Paul says, absent from the body that's in this world and present with him in, in the Lord, in glory. That will be a great day. Just imagine the Lord came back today. Came back in five minutes. The Lord says, okay, son, time to go. Call your children home. Okay, I've been waiting for this, Father. It's about time. Now, he may not say that. But he says, okay, come up hither. And then the rapture takes place. And then we're gone. Can you imagine that day? Can you imagine where you are? Well, who could tell where you're going to be at that moment of the rapture? That'd be, that'd be just a guess. But wherever you are, wherever we are, in this world, in any time zone, the rapture takes place, boom, we're out of here. We're gone. You could be on a flight to Las Vegas to go, not gambling, but to um, just check out the buffets. And uh, you may head to New York City to see how high the tax rate is over there. And you might be on the way to Orlando, Florida. You might be on the way to Disney World or Disneyland or something. You might be on the way to who knows where, and all of a sudden the rapture takes place and you're gone. Seatbelt light goes on. Captain says, all right, uh, we're, here's some turbulence over here. Everybody go back to your seats. And the, the servants, the servants, but the, um, what do you call those people in the airplane? Attendants come by, checking out seats. Say, okay, fuck your seatbelt, sir, okay. Uh, hey, there's three, who are these people here? They check their manifest, okay, three, they're gone. But their clothes are there. There's blood over there. <gasps> Murder. What happened? Rapture happened. That'd be something. Coming down the bus on the Poly Highway. Bus driver gone, raptured. I know a Christian bus driver. He lives here. He's in his 60s, still working. Imagine him coming on Polly, going toward Polly, going toward Kylo. Rapture takes place. He's gone. Bus is on its own. Full of people. Can you imagine that? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. What a day. You ever get like that, imagining things? On your way to church, you get raptured. <clears throat> Where'd dad go? Where'd dad go? Where'd dad go? You're in the back seat. Where'd dad go? Where'd dad go? Mom goes, Oh, it happened like he said. You grab the steering wheel, but you can't get to the brake. A lot of problems there, that scenario. You don't show up for work. Not because you went surfing, but because the rapture took place. There's phone calls made. Can't find you. Remember Enoch? Enoch was not, for God took him. They probably had a search party for Enoch. Probably CNN, NBC, CBS, ABC, and uh, Fox News. Everybody, mm. all the radio outlets, they try search party. And this well-known, this celebrity is gone. Enoch is gone. They look for him. After a full day of search for him, nothing. A week, nothing. He was not. He was gone. Imagine the rapture taking place in our lifetime. Tomorrow, this week, who knows? And we're gone. Plan is made. Time for that big trip. Time for that activity. Raptured. Time for dinner. Raptured. Tomorrow's your wedding day. Raptured. She shows up. 
she's all ready to go the next day. Of course, she wouldn't have seen her husband-to-be the day before. But the day of the wedding, time to walk down the aisle. Wait a minute, room's not here yet. Best man is saying, hey, the groom is gone. He's not here. He's not answering his cell phone. He's not answering his text messages. What happened to him? UFO adopted him? What happened to him? Can you imagine the scenarios when the Lord comes back? Gone. Big business uh, interview. Whatever is important, it doesn't happen. Tennis championship. Australian Open. USA Open. Finals. Tomorrow. The day comes. The other guy's here, but the other guy's not here. What happened to him? I don't know. Hey, all these guys who bought tickets, they ain't showing up. What happened to them? I don't know. Well, look at that. John chapter 17 and verse number, where did I leave off? Um, no, I'm down at verse number 20. Uh, I passed verse 22, I think, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, okay, so. Uh, go on to verse 25. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. The world hath not known thee. What is that about? What world? Context tells us more than the original languages tell us. Context tells us what the world is. You have the physical world, and then you have another kind of world. The world hath not known thee. That's not the physical mountain. It's not the Pacific Ocean. It is the system, the people of the world that are unsaved. They have not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that they, thou hast sent me. Verse 26, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me Maybe in them and I in them. So here we have it. We come to the end of this chapter, this prayer of Jesus to his Father in heaven. We have some reasons why we don't love the world. Because the world system rejected God's word. Because the love of the world is, uh, because um, uh, we don't love the world because it is evil. Christians don't love the world because we're separate from the world and its system. And Christians are not to love the world because we are to convert the world instead. We are sent into the world to convert the world, not blend into the world. And so, when he says, love not the world, this is all involved in it. But we're here. Now, we're to be loving and lovable to people in the, in the sense of respect and not being overly unnecessarily hateful and all that. That's just common sense. But all the while we're realizing, if someone objects to your faith as a Christian, it's expected. It's expected for us to get some opposition, some punches. It's expected. And... You should not stand there and take it. You should protect yourself by putting on your spiritual boxing gloves and uh, and fight, fight back, push back. Not be a not be a rug to get run all over, stepped all over. So love not the world, though, is the point. We've identified the world. It is not our friend. Now don't go looking around. You're of the world. You're a devil. No, I wouldn't do that. That's not what we mean. That's not what he means. It's the system of things. A lot of times, a lot of times, we get kind of blurred in our thinking about things. Just remember who you are, where you are, what this world is to you. 
retroactiveness world, coexistence world without compromising with this world's philosophies, way of thinking. I never watch anymore for years now the Super Bowl the whole game. I am so put out with the personalities of a sport like football. They think they're too important and they have a political statement to make. But I never watch the halftime shows of a football game, NFL, Pro Bowl especially, or uh, Super Bowl because it's so worldly. There, there, are, there are things that are just reprehensible and the word is disgusting. Uh, the world is, it's an abomination for a Christian to observe and watch and see what they're doing in the name of entertainment. It is so, it is so grotesque, it is so evil. It is so dark, it is so devilish, it is so from the pit. How can a Christian sit there and say, oh, I love football and I'm gonna watch all this stuff. How can you do that? It's impossible, you cannot do that. It, it, it's, not, it's, it's not helping you to be more godly. Now, this is different from when you have no choice of things. I'm talking about when you have a choice. Now, part of this illustration, and I'll put it here because the point is some, some dad tried very hard to keep his kids from the world. Here's an example. And, but you pardon the illustration because it is, it is about someone that you all know. We visited Nathan in China when Joseph was the firstborn. He was the first, still is the firstborn. But when he was the only one before the multitudes came after, <laughs> before the 144,000 came after. But when he was the firstborn, so much of our transportation was taxis, buses, subways. You had to get to a cab to get to the bus, get to the bus, to the subways. It was like wearing me out. And I was younger. He was exhausting. He was just bouncing around. But Joseph was in the car. And then in China, in Beijing, no matter what part of Beijing you are, loud music, billboards, advertising, just in your face, just thrown at you. It's like a big screen, wherever you go, just in your face. We'd drive down the road. He would say, Joseph, turn your head. Joseph would do this. Okay, open your eyes. Of course, I knew what Nathan was doing. I'm sitting in the back seat with my wife. I'm thinking, where to go, Nathan? Moving along. Joseph, close your eyes. What was he doing? Now, if you're of the world, you would say, that is so cruel. You, you are just suppressing his, his view on life. You're denying him looking at things that he, he's going to see anyway. That's what the world says. You know what Nathan was doing? Nathan understood who he is, who his son is, what the world is. He was protecting his son from seeing things that he shouldn't see at that age. You talk about nudity and uh, more than risque dressing on this high-powered addict. It was just thrown at you, you know. You just look and you see all this nakedness around like, why does a boy five, three, four, five have to see stuff like that? That's the world. Advertising. Get their attention. Yeah. Get their attention. And then on the other side of things, but I was going to say, that was an example. And this, it's a personal example because it's my son and my grandson. But that's an example of a father taking his responsibility seriously and, and protecting his son from the world. He doesn't want his son to get corrupt, have these thoughts in his head. And live with that kind of thought as a young boy. Do you know that? You know that it's okay when your kids grow up 
they're dumb about certain things, you know it's okay. It's actually good that your kids don't know about certain things. Danny, what does that word mean? Where'd you hear that from? Well, the, well, if they don't know certain words, that's a good thing. That means they're, they're protected. They're shielded from. But if your kid knows about all these things, it's like, wait a minute. You don't need to learn those things when you're that young. Neither should you learn when you're that old. old. I'm just saying there is a, a need to protect. And the church cannot allow things to come in and then we we live in such a way this worldly because it's a bad role model, it's a bad example for, for, for parents of the kids who are trying to raise, raise their kids right for Jesus Christ. I know people say that's legalism. It's not legalism. People say, oh, that's oppressive. It's not oppression. But when you have something of value, you protect it. I said this earlier. When there's something of value, you protect. You lock your car, you lock your house. You check on your bank accounts. You know, brother, first, uh, I hope he can travel to visit here again, but maybe it's not possible because of his health. But he told me one time, he says, he's on his little tablet, you know. He's reading books and he's reading it. And he says, what are you, what you looking at this time? What book are you reading? He says, no, I'm just checking out my account, my bank account. Checking out your bank account? He says, yeah, I'm just, he says, every day, I look at my tablet to see what my account has every day. He says, you never can tell what can happen. So every day I check on the thing. If something's amiss right away, it's not beyond 24 hours when I catch something. You know why he does that? His income is valuable to him. He can't just be spent like he's a millionaire. He has to check, be sure everything's in order because it's valuable. He's checking. There's something maybe more important than your bank account it's it's your spiritual welfare your spiritual health your kids and all that so we're not of this world we're in this world we're supposed to be sanctified from this world and the world is going to rob us of any virtues that we have gained it happens so quickly don't let it happen to anybody here you don't have to let it happen to anybody here nobody should experience a fall or a collapse or a disaster uh, what happened to what? No, no, that can't be. But it did happen like that. I don't want to be depressing, but the, the adult men, pastors, and evangelists who have fallen, Sunday school teachers, deacons, bus workers, all those kind that um, uh, that they fall into sin, it didn't happen all of a sudden. That's the tragedy. Could have been prevented. We've got to realize who we are, got to realize what the world is to us, and walk circumspectly, carefully, protect ourselves, protect what's of value to you spiritually, morally. Okay? Uh, can I say one more thing? Okay, I'll tell Francis. <laughs> There's one more thing to say, and I'm done. I'm done. For, for this, I'm done. It was a blessing for me to perform the ceremony for Kristen and Nathan in Jackson, Florida 12, 13 years ago. But he wanted me, he wanted me to say this publicly to everybody. Our friend George Garfield Baptist was several hundred miles from Florida. He got to come down for the ceremony. It was nice to go to Maryland, but he wanted me to say this in the ceremony. At the end of the ceremony, how it goes. And now, by the Torah of me as a gospel preacher, da, da, da. I now pronounce you husband and wife. 
And then I said this, you may kiss your bride. I said this for the first time. When they kissed at the altar, strangely enough, odd enough in these times, it was their first kiss. Oh, no, that can't be. That is so old fashioned. That is so, that is, oh, that is, that is, how can that be? That, that can't be. You know why the world thinks like that? They've been messing around so long before they even got married. But when they kissed for the first time, it was special. And everybody was like, oh. It was so good for those parents and grandparents in the audience who believe the same, believe in being in the world but not of the world. They said, oh man, that is such a blessing to know that there's other people like us Amen. that want to live right in this right. wicked world. Amen. In the world but not of the world. And do you know that, <laughs> do you know that because of that reality that both both people grew up like that, both people, uh, they look at things practically uh, differently than people who were so spoiled before they got married. They've gotten so physical before they got married. And then their wedding night is not anything special. It's just like whole home another day. It wasn't like that for them. Different, special, a blessing. Christ honoring. If I could, if I could encourage you and challenge you to be out of this world, not be part of this world, but separate from the world, I would, I would, I would, I would hope you can do that. I, I, I wish I could and encourage you to do that because it is so, it's so worth it. It is so worth it. It is so worth it. Now, don't tell anybody I said that about them, okay? You might embarrass them, but that is, that is an example of people who didn't want to be in the world, but they're in the world. And they are happy, happy people. I didn't say they're problemless. I didn't say their house didn't have problems. I don't say that the car didn't have problems. I'm just saying they're happy people because those reasons oh, I wish that the church could have the same attitude I wish that Christian had the same attitude I wish that could be a reality in people's hearts so that they don't have to experience some mess that they don't have to go through as I said earlier as a pastor I know a lot of bad examples and bad stories but they come to my head at this moment because I'm thinking what could have been or what could have been avoided I'm into avoiding some things that don't have to happen I'm into the preventative stuff. And the grandkids of mine, I got some medicine the other day, Paul. I want to kill them. Don't say that to anybody. But I was so mad at Sammy and Joseph playing basketball. I was so mad at them. You know, I really, why am I recording this? But anyway, it was just kid stuff. Kid stuff. It's really just innocent kid stuff. You get caught up in the game kind of thing. It's just that kind of thing. But you know, I stopped and I realized. And I told my wife, she scolded me. Can you believe that? Mark, she scolded me. I said, I was so mad. And she scolded me. And she was right. After I calmed down about, after about 10 years of calming down, I finally calmed down. I said, you know what? In fact, just this morning coming to church, I, she was, I brought it up. And she said, you know, they're still young, they're growing up. I said, yeah, I know. And she said, you shouldn't talk like that to them. I said, I was barking at them. Yeah, I know. I felt really about that big. I felt so small, I could sit in that and dangle my feet. 
that's how small I felt because I just was just uh, but the kids are good kids they're not in the world they're so dumb they're so innocent they don't know a lot of things which is good they don't need to know a lot of things right now they need to be away from the world you parents encourage them you church people encourage the kids the kids encourage them to live right don't talk about stuff don't bring up stuff that's of the world don't use language that they shouldn't hear be, be conscientious about your influence on, on the young people you have an influence on them there's nothing better than to have a church of people of adults that have a thoughtfulness about the younger kids to be a good influence on them. that's a blessing but they don't want to have these contradictory messages by adults talking about things they shouldn't talk about and uh, you know oh did you did you see this movie why even talk about that in front of these kids did you see so-and-so you know Brittany Brittany who they don't even know who Brittany is and and the, the lady who is, begins with a K, her last name K, why bringing that stuff up in front of kids who don't even know who they are? They should know who they are. They don't need to care about who they are. Or they broke up. So what? Keep it to yourself if you're into that kind of thing. They don't need to know about that kind of stuff. All right, I'm done. Thank you, Lord, for the word. And we pray that you help us to be thoughtful about uh, who we are and our place in this world. We're to be sanctified by the word. We're to love what you love. Love you first. We're to hate what you hate. We're to hate lying and evil and other things that are of this world. We cannot flirt, hold hands with this world and be good Christians. We cannot be like the Israelites who intermarried with the Canaanites. We can't let that happen spiritually. And so we pray that you guard us Make us aware of these things. Help our kids to grow up right, to have good examples in the adults of the church, in their parents. Help us, Father, to be all that we can be in this world, not getting tangled. Thank you for being good to us, allowing us to enjoy the material things of this world. But we surely cannot get involved with the rudiments of this world. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to learn some of these things today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.